0: We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ben Greenwood, recorded at Equip Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit Um What a privilege it is to be here. It's a privilege to get a microphone considering what I do most of the time. It's odd I am holding a mic without a costume. Um, so... So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight. I know God's going to do something significant and something great. Um, I saw um, Tui's here. I recognise that cheese cutter from Ebony. Anywhere, anywhere, bro? Bulatavale. <laughs> uh, it's good to see you, my Fijian brother. Um, very cool. So I, I'm going to, it's important I introduce myself Um I know Pastor Will give me an awesome introduction um, But I can guarantee at some point in life Your parents probably told you not to talk to strangers Especially ones with creepy beards that look like DJ Khaled <laughs> um, If you don't know who DJ Khaled is Ask a 14 year old Otherwise he's that guy <laughs> I, I go around yelling out We the second best <laughs> If you don't get it Ask a 14 year old um, If I'm not mistaken for DJ Khaled It's often I'm mistaken for Al Borland If you don't understand that, ask a (laughs) 40-year-old. That photo was taken a few years ago. Uh, If I'm not mistaken for Al Borland, it's often that I'm mistaken for Jesus. Um, That photo's not meant to be that direction, but but that works. Um, You hang out with him, you become like him. Um... So uh, I'm, I'm from West Auckland. If you don't know where that is, that's the west part of Auckland. Uh, it's home to piha Beach. It's home to the beautiful Waitakere Ranges. It's home to Westy e Bogans. Uh, that's where I'm from. It's also home um, to New Zealand's worst super rugby franchise. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a loyal fan. I'm a very, very loyal fan. Uh, that's me dressed as King Tut at a game you notice no one's in the crowd. <laughs> that's how bad we are. Um, there's me dressed as Jesus at a game. I thought a bit of Jesus power would do them some good. we still lost. I was an imposter um, I often I'm, I'm I'm pretty famous i get on I get on t v every now and then <laughs> um, that's yeah we, oh that was against the Highlanders draw uh we lost that too yeah it's a common trend with the blues. Uh, Sometimes I take crazy signs, which apply to American people and Kiwis don't understand it. But we got on TV there. Like I said, I'm pretty famous. Uh, I'm literally the biggest Auckland Blues fan. That was me about 10 years ago. No, I lied. That's me about 15 years ago with Xavier Rush. Um, That was taken on an iPhone 10 at the time. Quality photo. Uh, So I'm a fan of the Blues. I I am from Auckland as well. Um, I have a beautiful wife and family. This is my family. That's, that's my incredible, oh gosh, wrong photo. <laughs> no, that's not me. This is my wife, my beautiful wife, Esther. Um, we, got, we got married just under three years ago. She's girl of my dreams, uh, Fijian. She's stunning. She's amazing. Um, just a couple of months ago, she gave me some really, really exciting news, um, which was really, really cool. We, uh, she let me download Fortnite so I can jam with the boys. <laughs> No, I lie. you know my wife, you know that's a lie. Um, Thanks, guys, on Friday for laughing at the same joke, though. I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, No, but a couple of months ago, my wife did tell me that uh, she was pregnant and we're expecting a little baby boy in October, which is really, really cool. Um... It's really, really interesting. I've obviously never experienced anything like this. It's, it's both exciting and, uh, and scary um, because the prospect is there's a little Ben running around, which is really, really exciting and really, really scary. Uh, the other thing is that there's a, there could be a little Esther running around, which is very, very exciting and very, very scary too, right? <laughs> Um, but my pra- I pray all the time. My prayer is that my, my boy has uh, a combination of our best features. I think every, every parent prays like that. I pray it has my eyes and her hair, uh, my sense of humor and her way with words. I pray it has my athletic ability and her work ethic and diligence <laughs> so I can do something with it. <laughs> um, but uh, while I was praying, I also got curious and I noticed on Facebook, some of you will know, if you spend a bit of time on Facebook, there's apps that allow you to uh, see what you'll look like when you're 80 or see what you'd look like as a baby or um, see what you'd look like as a woman. I haven't used that app. <laughs> I'm like a solid eight out of 10. It? <laughs> it's a bad joke. Um, but, but there's an app that will allow you to merge um, faces. Uh, So I merged Esther's face with my face to find out what my baby would look like and my kids and this is what came out. (laughs) Oh no, sorry. Before I get (laughs) here, Oh my gosh, that's not how I (laughs) could In In this photo you see my my wife's hair is quite tame. It's it's under control. Um, That's not her natural hair. That's her trying to suppress it. Uh, This is what her hair looks like normally. Um, So I figured uh, if my baby gets her hair, which would be really cool, um, I did this app on Facebook and um, this is what our kids are going to look like. <laughs> they're like little lion babies. <laughs> look at those manes. Um, no, it's actually really weird. I just got that off Google. Some poor kids have no idea. They're, they're on a screen in Dunedin. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, after this, it's, it's awesome to be here in Dunedin. Um, we were. I've been here since Thursday night I came down early so I could school past the William basketball on Friday morning and we did just that yep. KL injured himself which was great uh, but on Friday night, I got to spend time with your young people, uh, your teenagers, and we had what we call an uprising. Now, we do them right across New Zealand throughout the Revolution, our Revolution Youth, and these are nights where we get together collectively, and we, we watch God do something great, and I think about 20 young people encountered Jesus on, on Friday night, which is awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's clap. That's awesome. Um, so if you know a young person you're connected to, a young person, nephew, niece, brother, sister, daughter, son, grandchildren, get them along to youth. There's no better place for them to be shaped into awesome contributors to society as well as fall in love with Jesus. Uh, you got to get them to youth on Friday night. I'm a massive ambassador uh, for youth. But um, when I arrived in Dunedin, now every time I've been to Dunedin, it's been cloudy and rainy. I've never got to experience the bright side of Dunedin. So um, when I got down here, I said to Pastor Will, can you, can you show me some of the the sights show me some of the beautiful natural sights um what I didn't expect was um to see him in his speedos when we are going for a spa I said natural sights those legs are unnatural brother <laughs> the colour <laughs> and we turned off all the lights so I could still see him <laughs> uh, but um, it's, it's, yeah. it's been cool to, to see Danina over the last couple of days. We went um, and lived out our childhood dreams and were slam dunking basketballs at jump or leap on the trampolines yesterday. I can't feel my legs tonight. I might pass out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so cool to be here. And just before I move on and we get into the Word, uh, I really wanted to honour you, Pastor Will and Pastor Desiree. Um, you you guys might know it, you might not have figured it out yet, but you have incredible, are very well-respected across our nation um, pastors and leaders. Uh, I, I said it this morning in Mosgill, and I, I wasn't going to say it tonight because it's weird, this heart-to-heart stuff. Um, but uh, I, I think it's incredible that you've got leaders that uh, I said it like this. They have their heads and their hearts in heaven, but their feet firmly grounded on earth. Um, Incredible leaders that can take spirituality and Jesus and make Him very real and relatable. Um, So I honour you guys. I think you're amazing. You're inspiring. Uh, That's what I aspire to be like. Um, So it's cool to be here. Um, So we're going to get into the Word, and I'm very excited about... um, what I I feel God's put on my heart to preach tonight. Uh, I think it's a word in season for the church. Um, I think it's a word in any season. You look at it in life. Um, And it really all started uh, when I watched a movie last year. Now, I'm a bit of a movie buff. I love movies, Um, predominantly apocalyptic movies where the world's ending uh, or zombie apocalyptic movies. Uh, The reason I love those movies is (laughs) because you might do this too, get with a couple of friends after you watch one of those and you try and figure out what character you would be. There's always like the strong leader type. Then there's always the guy that wants to be the leader but no one likes him. Um, there's always like the pretty girl. Um, there's always like the African-American dude that's just really, really funny uh, and usually dies first. <laughs> and uh, I, so I argue and I sit and argue with my friends all the time and I'm like, oh yeah, now I reckon I'm the leader guy, you know, you'll follow me. And they're like, to be honest, bro, at your size, you'll probably die first. <laughs> Sad, guys. (laughs) But I love movies. I love zombie apocalypse movies. I love superhero movies. About once a year, my wife manages to get me along to an actual educational film, something that's going to build into my life. Uh, So we go along to Rialto, and we watched this movie towards the end of last year called The Darkest Hour. Now, uh, it was cool because I studied history throughout high school, and I learned all about uh, the world wars and the people that were involved in them. And this movie's uh, based around Winston Churchill and how he fell into power uh, and how he he led England through the war, uh, Great Britain through the war. And it's, a, it's an incredible story. There's this part in the story where um, he's walking down the corridor and he's having a conversation with this politician. And this politician just says, you won't be able to change the minds of parliament. Uh, we, we won't be able to see it done. And uh, I love what Winston Churchill does. He, he quotes uh, a famous author and he says this. He says, oh, that was meant to come up earlier. <laughs> he says this. Progress is impossible without change, and those who cannot change their minds can't change anything. You get that? Progress is impossible. Moving forward is impossible without change. And those who can't change their minds can't change anything. Now, when I read, the, uh, when I watched this movie, I, I was resounding with my spirit, and it brought up a scripture. And that scripture you can find in Romans chapter twelve, chapter, chapter twelve, verse two. And that scripture says simply this: Do not be conf- don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world, but let God. God, I'm in gaming mode. Let Call of Duty transform you. Don't do that. Oh, codfish. No, okay, look, God. It's God. Don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's a pretty cool scripture. Now, I realised years ago... um, I, t- I was telling the young people on Friday, it was, I was about 13 years old. You gotta, when I was 13, I was like the same size I am now, but shorter, which means I was rounder. <laughs> I literally rolled faster then I ran. But I, I had this moment where I missed out on a school sports team. And uh, when I missed out on the team, I, 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 I was positive I deserved a shot. Uh, I had done everything. The, but the day before, the coach had made an example out of me, and he said to everyone, You've got to understand, you can't give up. Like, you can't just give up when you're running the race. You can't give up when you're giving your best. You, jo- you just got to keep going. It doesn't matter how fast you go, it doesn't matter how you get there. You just don't give up. And he goes, I want everyone to clap for Ben because when we did the laps today, he didn't give up. They all clapped for me. I was like, mm-hmm. I went home, told my dad, I was so excited. The next day, I got, I got to school, and I saw on the team list 60 people uh, in the school sports team. 42 get chosen to go to camp. I went through one to 10, my name wasn't there. I went from 10 to 20, my name wasn't there. I went from 20 to 30, my name wasn't there. I was like, oh, this is good odds though. There's still 12 names left. I went through 30 to 40, I couldn't see my name. I went to 41, I didn't see my name. And then right there at 42, wasn't my name. And I remember for the first time in my life being aware, and I I was acutely aware. I was so devastated and disappointed because I had hyped myself up believing I deserved a spot on that team. But I I realized for the first time in my life, there's a gap between where I am now and where I wanted to be. Uh, I didn't make the team, but I wanted to be there. Uh, I didn't make the cut, but I genuinely felt I deserved a shot. And I I know for all of us at different times in life, we felt like that. Your story might be different, but the disappointment's the same. The, the devastation's the same. The pain is the same. We all go through things in life, and when we go through those things, we realize that I'm, I may be in this position now, but there is more. I may be living in mediocrity and normality and ordinariness now, uh, but there is so much more in life. I might be stuck in a nine-to-five, but that's not my dream. And each and every single one of us know that there's a greatness in our lives, there's a successful part of our lives, there's a significance in our lives, there's influence in our lives, and we are called to so much greater than where we currently at. But the problem is we're stuck here when we know we should be here. And I just believe that's just a gap of greatness in our life, and that's something that only God can fill. No matter how much you try without Him, you'll never be able to fill that gap. And tonight, here's what I believe. As we go through these scriptures, God's going to help us close the gap between where we are now and where we want to be. From insecure to secure. From from lacking confident to so very confident. From from timid and meek to courageous and bold, from lacking vision to vision filled. God wants to move you into that place and he's going to do it tonight. So it's pretty cool. So how do we do that? It goes something like this. Do not copy Paul's writing to the Roman church. He says us, don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world. Don't live in mediocrity and normality. Don't conform to societal pressures. And he says us, but, everyone say but. but. I tell young people all the time, um, the buts in the Bible are the only buts you're allowed to be interested in. All right? Because it always leads to something good. There's <laughs> too much agreement over here. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Have you ever had a conversation with a Christian? You ever ask them how they are? And ever got more than finer? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Most conversations you have around direction of someone's life, the conversation will go a little bit like, oh, yeah, I just really don't know what God's calling me to right now. Uh, I'm just waiting to hear from God. Uh, I just, I'm not sure what step is next. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what His will is for me. Well, here's the thing. If you want to understand and know the will of God, you have to allow Him to change the way you think. Because if you can allow Him to change the way you think, He'll transform you into a new person. And then you'll understand all of these things. Life will have direction. Life will have vision. You will know where you are going. You will live bigger. You will live fuller. People will look at your life and see that there's something different. But what you got to do first is let God change the way you think. Um, When I read the scripture, uh, one thing stood out to me, and it was was, uh, this, that God wants to transform you into a new person. Um, So immediately a question sprung to mind, and that question was, what does the new person look like? Um, Because if this is like a a Jared from Subway type of transformation, I'm in. I'm down for the weight loss. (laughs) Uh, If this is a Michael Jackson transformation, yeah, that's another story. (laughs) If this is a Bruce Jett, no, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) All right. Some of you need to catch up with your pop culture. But often before I go somewhere, I educate myself on the place. I look at the map so I know what to expect when I get there. Now you got to understand when God's saying I want to transform you into a new person, it's the person that you want to be. It's a person with the confidence you want to have. It's a person with the vision and the words and the articulation and all of these things. That's the person God wants to transform you into. But it's all preceded by this one thing that comes after an instruction saying, don't conform, says, but let God. What's the first thing you need to do if you want God to transform your life? You need to let Him. You need to give Him permission. But let God. God's willingness to transform your life is, 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 is not the problem here. It's your willingness to let Him. God, God's desire to transform and change who you are isn't the issue. It's your desire and willingness to let Him. We need to allow God. Paul's a smart dude. He says, don't conform. You gotta let God. And the reason we need to let God is simply because of this. If you don't consciously allow God to transform your life every day, you are subconsciously allowing everything else to conform you back to where you were. You get me? If we're not allowing the Word of God to transform us, if we're not allowing His Holy Spirit to speak to us and challenge us about how we live our life, uh, we're allowing social media to do it. We're allowing normal media to do it, movies, music. Um, there's only two types of music you should be listening to, and that's worship music and country music. <laughs> 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 countries practically worship. Isn't it? <laughs> no, you, But you've got to be conscious of what you're allowing in. If, if you're not allowing those things, you might be allowing... Um, You might be allowing societal pressures. You might be allowing the opinions of others to conform you back to this place. But not until you give God permission can He transform you into this person. Um, If it's not an external thing transforming you, it might be an internal thing, like a past hurt, like a trauma you went through, like a disappointment that you had. Maybe it's a fear you've lived with for a long time. But if we're not conscious about giving God permission to transform us, these things will conform us back to normality, regularity, ordinary living. We've gotta be conscious to give God permission to change and transforms, transforms our life. Second um, Corinthians 5.17, for anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone The new has come. Once you are in Christ and allowing God to transform you, the old goes. That's the promise of God. The old goes, the new comes. You gotta give him permission. Um, And I found this, the best way to give God permission to transform you is is by doing one simple thing. And that thing is called surrender. Surrendering whatever it is that you've allowed to, to shape and mould and transform who you are and surrendering that to God. Now there's a problem with surrender. Um, it's hard to do and it's uncom- and uncomfortable uh, and no one ever wants to surrender and I think as Kiwis we're pretty proud. Um, we like to you know, be strong and be tough um, but you got to think about it like if, if you snapped your leg on the field I <laughs> know zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> um, you're, you're not going to walk around with that injury um, like girls won't be like, oh, look at him, he's so strong, <laughs> so tough. Oh my gosh, look at him, the way he's walking with the bones sticking out. Like, that's, that's, that's amazing. Guys aren't going to be like, oh, bro, you're the man. you so strong. No, if you're injured, uh, you go and get help and you go and get assistance and you go and get change. And, and so often we can walk around with these things and not get assistance for them. Uh, We treat emotional pain. We treat baggage that we carry. We treat internal issues sometimes differently to the way we would treat physical ones. Physical ones, it it seems uh, obvious that we need to go see a doctor or we need to get medication. Uh, For internal things, it's a little bit harder. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, And and we can get a bit, proud and we can get a bit stubborn but we need to learn to surrender and give God permission surrender starts with a thing called humility and James 4 it says God gives grace to the humble which means God gives his empowering presence to you to do the things that you aren't able to do on your own he, he, allows, he enables you to be the person you want to be. But it starts first with humility. Um, there's a cool leadership guru I like. His name's Craig Grishel. If you read the um, Bible app on your phone, new version, he's the dude that created it. Um, so you know him. Uh, but I, I like it. He says this one thing. He says, um, when it comes to leadership and, and leadership of your life, uh, you can have control or you can have growth. But you can't have both. So as long as you're in control of your life, you will stagger your moving forward. You will will limit your ability to progress in God. The moment you relinquish control and give it up to God, He can move you. It's pretty cool. I like that. I like that. Very cool. Uh, So the first thing, we need to learn to surrender. The second thing is this. We need to make intentional decisions. Um, I've found this in life. Oh my gosh, how'd that get there? Have I been pressing buttons, boys? You meant to stop me. I've right. no. uh, I, I, I found this in life where the sum total of all of, all of our decisions. Um, you come into this world looking like your daddy, but you leave looking like your decisions. Um, <laughs> We, no one, when, when you pass away, you, you're not remembered for the car you drove. You're not remembered for, for the house you had, the money that was in your bank account. You're remembered because of the choices you made, uh, the memories you left behind, the legacy you left, uh, the decisions you made to impact others, the way you chose to serve. All of these choices accumulate to what becomes the story of your life, not the things, the physical things that you accumulate. So we are the sum total of our decisions. So making decisions is very, very important um when you're born no one's commending your decisions so you can get away with it um like when you pop out like no one's no one's like man he made such a good decision to cry right there look at him poop like no one does that um people make comments on what you have and what you look like and all of those things you know I'm oh, so cute look at the hair um but when you go to the grave um People aren't making comments on what you look like. Uh, People are making comments on the decisions and the choices you made and what you left behind. So it's very important we make decisions that are right. Uh, And the reason we need to make decisions that are right is because here's what happens. There's a process in your thinking, your thoughts. The things you think about become the beliefs that you have. Once they become the beliefs that you have, they become your attitudes, the way you respond to things, the way you embrace things. After they become your attitudes, they become your behaviours. So what you think about, you eventually do. Uh, If you think that you're no good, you think that you're somewhat useless, that will then in turn become a belief. Once it becomes a belief, it moves and it shifts to become an attitude that you have. And that affects the way you connect with others. That's, that affects the way you can receive from others. And once it does that, it becomes a behavior. Your behaviors start to reflect those things too. Same way. You think you're awesome? You'll probably walk around like it. You'll start doing awesome things. You'll be motivated. You'll be diligent. So it's very important. We're intentional about the way we are thinking. Um, but I found, I found this really, really interesting. So I did some study on thinking and thoughts. Um, <laughs> I found some really cool stuff um, and some very frightening things. Uh, what happens between the ages of seven and 24, you are developing what they call your prefrontal cortex. It's a part of your brain that is responsible for making rational decisions, life, life, judge, life judgments, uh, perceiving things and processing them. Now that's developing between the ages of seven and 24. Uh, which is a really, really cool thing because that, that's the most exciting time of your life um, because you're trying new things, you're learning new things, uh, you're thinking about who you want to be, what you want to do, uh, what you want to look like, who you want to hang out with. All of these things are happening during this time. Um, if, you don't, if you haven't got it yet, like at that time, um, you're starting to grow attracted to the opposite sex. So girls, you're going from like, eh, boys have cuties, to like, mmm, that boy's a cutie, Right? <laughs> Boys, you're going from like, don't touch me, to like, please touch me. <laughs> if you haven't got, you're, you're learning random things at school. Uh, you're, you're learning a bunch of different subjects. Um, you're learning things that you'll never use in life, like trigonometry and algebra and personal hygiene, like just random things that you never use. Um, for instance, I spent, I spent five years learning French in high school. <laughs> I've never been to France. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's an exciting time. You're figuring out things. The reason I really took French is because I thought I could woo the girls. Um, so, when I first started dating, my wife I was sitting in the car driving, and I just thought it would be cool to um, try some French on her. Um, you know, when you're dating, you're pulling out all the stops to try and win them over. Um, so, I just turned to her. and I was like, pendant très longtemps, j'étais amoureux de toi. Tu voudrais un kilo de fraise, s'il vous plaît? She just looked at me like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> French, useless, down the drain, five years. <laughs> it's, it's an exciting time in your life. You're making decisions as, as a kid. You're like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a scientist as a teenager. You're like, I want to be a fire truck. You just don't know. What's going on? It's, it's it's an interesting, exciting time of life, uh, and that's all because your your brain's developing. The way you think, the patterns are being moulded, and and while that's being moulded, you're thinking with a part of your brain called your amygdala, and that's responsible for emotional responses. Um, that's why a teenage boy might be like, "Yo, bro, should we get uh, longboards and skate down Baldwin Street?" <laughs> and they'll be like yeah, it's gotta be mean, it's gotta be mean. And they'll think, oh, it's gonna be so funny. Um, But you as an adult, if someone says, um, hey, do you wanna skate down Baldwin Street? You'll be like, are you stupid? Uh, Because you're thinking less with your feelings, but you're thinking uh, more with your rationale. Um, So your mind is developing between this stage of life. Uh, And the way it's, I tell teenagers all the time, it's really the most important time of your life. Because the decisions you make now determine how you make decisions in the future. Because you put a pathway in your brain. So if if you're diligent now, it's likely when you're 30 and you need to go to the gym every morning, it's going to be easy. Uh, if, if, If you make a decision to serve God in your youth, oh, you'll have no problem serving God in your adult. Um, because you're putting that pathway inside your brain. For all of us over 24, we're stuffed. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? It's, it's done, it's developed. <laughs> um, and it's, it's why decisions are so important. And <laughs> now it's not all grim, okay? I promise, we'll, we'll flip this. But God's, God knows that you'll get into your adulthood and you'll be stuck with behaviours that you have, addictions that you might have, ways of thinking that you might have that are contrary to where He's called you and what, who He's called you to be. And He says as a teenager, this is why Paul, uh, He says as an adult, and this is why Paul writes it, at this time of life, it's so, so crucial and so, so important you allow God to change the way you think. Because if he can change how you think, he can change who you are. Um, So it's pretty cool. So I was like, okay, that's awesome. Because I've seen God do it in moments. I've seen God transform someone who's stuck in addictions and then be completely delivered in a moment. Uh, I've seen people so broken and so hurt. It affects the way that they encounter and interact with others. But a moment with God, things just shift dramatically. God rewires the brain. Um, but I've seen things like that, and it doesn't happen all the time. I'm, I've got faith for it to happen when I pray for it, but I've just realized sometimes God takes some of us on a journey. And sometimes that's annoying. So I thought about it, and I thought, well, what do we do if we're on this journey where we have a behaviour that's holding us back, or we have a way of thinking that's preventing us from being who God's called us to be? And it's, it's, it's simple. It's pretty cool. As I was doing this study, I, I, just, uh, I read that there were some psychologists that... Um, picked up a subject group of uh, adults that had developed. So they were over the age of 24. Um, but because of some reason or another, the development of their prefrontal cortex was was hindered as a teenager and as a child. Um, for some of it, it was because of traumatic experiences. For others, um, it was a head injury and they had minor brain damage. Um, for others, it was potential, uh, it was mental illness. Um, and they wanted to see if these people, they felt it was unfair that they had an underdeveloped prefrontal cortex. So they wanted to see if they could do some stuff to see if that part of your brain, which is responsible for the way you think and the way you act and the way you respond, uh, can change. So they did these studies and it's phenomenal what they found out. Uh, They found out there's three things you can do to rewire the way that you think and to change your mind. Uh, And the first one is mindfulness and meditation. The second one is get yourself in positive environments. And the third one is intentional mentoring. It's really interesting. When I read these, I was like, man, that sound familiar. I swear, I've heard that somewhere before. And I found it incredible that psychologists and scientists are starting to catch up with study to prove what God's Word has been saying for thousands of years. When God said, I want to pre-program the way you think, He wasn't just making up a crazy concept. He wasn't just saying things willy-nilly. He was very intentional. And because uh, let me explain it to you like this. Doesn't mindfulness and meditation just sound like prayer and reading the Word of God? Yeah. Doesn't His Scripture say you, you, you're to meditate on my Word night and day? Uh, meditate on every word that comes forward from the mouth of God. God knows that if you spend time in His Word and you spend time in prayer and you spend time studying what He says about you and who He's called you to be, your brain starts to reprogram. Doesn't, uh, doesn't positive environments just sound like church? Like, like a place where you can come and someone will encourage you? A place where you can come along feeling pretty down and low, but praise and worship lifts you up? Uh, where the Word of God strikes you right where, you're, right where you're at. Where when you need prayer, someone will pray with you. Uh, when you need a good feed, or someone will feed you. E-groups, global prayer nights, team nights, church. Get in as many of these positive environments as you can and God will start to reprogram the way that you think. On, uh, on the global prayer night um, subject, um, make sure you're here tomorrow night those are powerful nights where we all get together across the nation um, I promise I'll try this you guys live stream Auckland, in. it comes up on there if you come tomorrow night I will try because they put, put everyone up on the screen so there's like 16 locations so I can get a general gist of how many people are in Dunedin uh, on, the, on the screen um, but I'll try and get on the camera from like the crowd and give you guys a wave Right, so make sure you're here So I don't look stupid. I'll probably look stupid anyway. (laughs) Mindfulness and meditation, positive environments, and intentional mentoring, um, which to me sounds a lot like what Jesus called discipleship. Getting yourself in a relationship with someone who can challenge you, uh, someone who can encourage you, someone that will lift you up when you're down uh, and and celebrate when you succeed. Uh, Intentional mentoring where you can learn to become more like Jesus. If you commit yourself to these things, uh, you, will, you will God can change the way you think and in effect, change the way you are, uh, change who you are. Now um, I know it's cool information, um, but I can back it up. Uh, last year uh, and this is my final story. Um, Andy, come up and do your spirit finger thing on the, on the keyboard. But can you start with like a rundown? Black keys, just the black keys. Holy Spirit, (laughs) what was that called? (laughs) Man, don't ever do that again. Fired flick, can you jump up now? (laughs) Um, Keys make everything better. Stop for a second. Um, I could be like, you need to know that God loves you. God God thinks you're amazing. You need to know. (laughs) God loves you. God thinks you're amazing keys make it all the difference um, we, get, we get the priv- privilege I, uh, I, I serve in youth up in Auckland but we we're part of a thing called Revolution Tour uh, which goes into high schools right across the country and we do assembly programs we're New Zealand's largest assemb- uh, assembly program which is pretty cool uh, every year we're in about 200 high schools we've got a dream to be in every high school every year um, and we bring a message of hope and, and change it's the gospel wrapped up in words that aren't um, Jesus and God but it's the gospel and we're presenting it to kids every single year. And some kids will see us five times during their whole schooling, uh, sometimes more. Uh, and we're, we're, we're hoping that across a, an, an, a teenager's schooling life, um, we can somewhat disciple them um, to be changed in their world. Uh, so we get to do this across New Zealand, but we've also, with my wife, had the privilege of doing it in um, Different countries as well. Uh, we've done it in the States and we've done it in Tonga and we've done it up in the UK. And last year, my wife and I were in London uh, doing schools and uh, it was awesome. We got friends up there that we're doing schools with. And just before we left to go on the trip, we found out that we were pregnant. So we were super excited. Uh, it was super cool. Um, it was a brand new experience. So we, we're going on the trip and we'd tell our friends when we see them. And we're like, oh, we're so excited. Um, as we got to Wednesday of the school's week, um, my wife wasn't feeling too well. So once school's finished, we head back to the hotel and uh, at the hotel, she discovered that she had started bleeding. Um, and for those of you who, you, some of you understand that when you bleed during pregnancy, is not a good thing. Um, so we rushed to the hospital and we, we were praying for the best and we got there late in the afternoon so we weren't actually able to see a doctor, but we still waited till nine o'clock in case there would be someone that showed up that could tell us what was going on. Um, but there was no one that could do it. They said, You have to come back tomorrow. So we went home, uh, back to the hotel, and we prayed. And we prayed, and we kept praying for the best and believing God would turn something around. Now, my wife, being the amazing, amazing woman she is, uh, when we woke up in the morning, she says, Hey, we came here to do a job, and we came here to, to speak to these kids. And they're just like our kids back home, so you need to go and do the schools schools today. So I'm like, okay, I, can, I can do that, but you'll be all right. She's like, Someone will take me to the hospital, it'll be fine my wife goes to the hospital at lunchtime. She gets to see a doctor and it was at lunchtime. She found out that she had miscarried um, what would have been our first job. Uh, So I, I find out while I'm at the school, I, I finish the school program. I rush back to the hotel and I just hug her and I hold her and we cry and, and we pray and we keep pressing into God, even though it was, it was a tough, tough, tough moment being so far away from home, but having to go through something like that. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> the crazy thing is we, we had a rally to, to speak at that night. Esther was meant to speak, but she was in no condition to speak. And um, But she said, you have to go. You still have to do it. So I went and did the rally that night. I preached. Kids got saved, got moved. It was awesome. Uh, but I would go back to the hotel and cry effectively to sleep. The next day I got up and I did schools. I had to leave my wife at the hotel and she was like, you need to go. We're here to do a job. I'll be all right. And she would process at the hotel. I would go and do schools. I'd speak and I'd be giving kids hope and, and challenging them to change their lives. And that there's peace in the storm. And I was speaking all of these things. And then I'd go back to the hotel and hold my wife. We had one more rally to do on the Friday night. So I went and did the rally, preached. Kids got saved, God moved. But I went back and, and cried and held my wife. Now, we were really fortunate after that to have um, some time off. Uh, we finished in London and we went back to the States on our way home and we had a week off to kind of process and get through. And as much as I could, I was there for my wife. Uh, when we got back to New Zealand, we got back into the kick of things and it took a bit of time to readjust. It was the hardest thing is people like, man, how was your trip? And you're like, oh, good. <laughs> and um, we processed this thing. Uh, now I, I'm a you've passed up in Auckland, so I speak on Friday nights and I was due to speak for our last two Fridays of term. Um but before the Friday night would happen, I I found myself rocked and shook with fear. Uh palms sweaty, knees weak, arms heavy, vomit on the sweater already, mum spaghetti. <laughs> I took liberties there. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. I thought you'd go with me, that's fine. You're forgiven. I um I would get freaked out and just fear, fear would riddle my body and I never felt like that, you get pre, pre-speaking nerves and jitters, that was all normal, this wasn't like before and that would happen on the first Friday so that I didn't speak, I managed to orchestrate it so I didn't have to, the second Friday, same thing happened I was freaking out so I managed to orchestrate it so I didn't have to speak, Christmas came and I thought oh, I'll try and process it then figure it out I went through Christmas, someone was busy uh, but we got to our youth camp in the middle of summer and I was meant to lead one of the nights and um, I had lost my voice from yelling at kids all day <laughs> uh, so I, I said to Scotty who's our youth pastor I man, I can't lead the service today because uh, I don't have a voice and he's like that's cool I'll do it um, but I remember in my heart just feeling so relieved that I didn't have to do it uh, once camp finished I went home and Esther and I caught up and we're lying in bed and we're just talking about this and I said babe I've been so scared I just I've just been freaking out I've just been full of fear when it comes to having to speak and having to lead people into God's presence and it was that night I had realized that I had attached the trauma of losing our unborn child to ministering for God the thing that I felt I was called to do was impaired by the situation that I went through and, and me not processing it well. And it, and it took time, but that was a moment where I was able to humbly come before God and say, God, I've got this fear, I've got this hurt, i got a little bit of anger towards you because I don't know why this happened and I don't know why you didn't stop it, but I said to God, I trust you trust you and I know you can take the fear away and I know you can heal my heart and that's how it started it started one first with a moment of surrender but you know what really helped being in his word mindfully meditating on his word day and night praying being at church where people would smile even when I didn't want them to smile at me when they would play praise songs when I didn't feel like jumping up and down. Positive environments and talking to people that could help me through it. And though the journey didn't, didn't happen in a moment for me, it was six weeks before I could get back up and do what God had called me to do. But it starts with a moment of surrender and you allowing God permission to change the way you think. So, here's what I'd love to do tonight. I'd love to give you an opportunity. For some of you, he's going to do it tonight. Addictions, broken. Ways of thinking, patterns, broken. Fathers, he's going to help you solidify your commitment to the journey. And you need to internally make a decision. Make a decision now. If you're young, this will, this will help your future. If you're over 24, be young again for a moment. <laughs> make a decision, and then go on the journey. God can do something significant tonight. Uh, Right across the room, I'll just ask everyone, actually, let's jump to our feet. Um, Worship team, you can come up. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.